On today's episode of The STEM Space, I'm so excited to chat with one of my favorite people, Rachel Peterson, who's also my classmate at Texas A&M University. We're both doctoral students in curriculum and instruction, and one of the few focused on engineering education. Rachel shares her experiences teaching high school technology and engineering, including one of her favorite engineering design challenges. We also chat about the overwhelming expectations of STEM education and strategies to support teachers. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Rachel. Hello, Natasha. Welcome to the STEM Space. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I know you've listened to a few episodes, um, but I was really excited to bring you on because you've had experience in the classroom. You were a high school teacher, but your degree originally was in engineering, just like mine. And so I wanted to kind of get your perspective on this transition from engineering to the classroom and then like, where does engineering fit? So in all that, let's start with where are you from? Oh, gosh. Well, that's already a hard question because I am uh, from all over. Uh, I grew up most of my life in Washington State um, in the Seattle-Tacoma area. And then um, I went to undergrad in Colorado. I had family that lived in Colorado. And so I went to Colorado State University. Go Rams. Um, And I got my undergraduate degree in engineering science. So I took a little bit of every kind of engineering, but I focused in mechanical. Um, and I also got my teaching certification at the same time. So I got my K-12 uh, technology education certification. And after that, we moved out to the East Coast uh, where I taught high school for five years out in Connecticut. And I am currently living in the very hot state of Texas in uh, College Station, as you know. Yeah, I think we're hitting like 108 today, so I can't. It's been like an excessive heat advisory for the last two months. <laughs> yeah, I love how every day when I see that, it used to be until 8 p.m. and now it's until 10 p.m. It's yep. like excessive heat <laughs> never ends. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about first your high school experience. What type of courses did you teach in high school? Uh, did I teach in high school? So I taught, um, oh my gosh, jack of all trades. I taught a lot of different things. I taught um, intro to engineering. I taught robotics. I taught AP computer science. I taught three different levels of video production. So video one, video two, and advanced video. Um, And then I also led after school clubs. So I was an advisor for the Technology Student Association. Uh, started a club there called Girls in STEM. Um, I was the uh, stage crew director at one point, Powderpuff football. Oh, oh gosh, all these things. <laughs> how do? How was it being an engineer as a high school teacher? Like, was that part of your identity as a teacher? So um, in the school that I taught at, um, there were one, two three, four technology education teachers. And I say tech ed because that's um, kind of 
still a historical term that we use when it comes to talking about uh, engineering or STEM. Uh, it fits under this CTE umbrella, career and technology education umbrella. And so um, there were four of us that were specifically in tech ed. Um, and two of us had engineering degrees. And so um, I kind of came in owning that, but at the same time, some of the courses I was primarily hired for were not engineering. So I had to shift this like, okay, well, once one class period a day, I get to, you know, be an engineer. And then the other ones, I'm an engineer teaching video. <laughs> so um, it was it was pretty interesting. But um, I feel like that identity of being an engineer has shifted depending on what room I'm sitting in and, and the space that I sit in. And so um, in the after school programs, I really used my background and my experiences and my degree um, to be able to lead students in what it means to do engineering, um, even though maybe three hours later, I was talking about, you know, racking focus in video production. <laughs> so, <laughs> What was something challenging about being a teacher? Because CTE, it sounds like you're doing so many different things. Like you said, mm -hmm. like video production, I can't imagine your engineering degree <laughs> prepared you for that. <laughs> I did not. No. So you were kind of like thrown in this bucket where it was just like a jack of all trades is how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's reflective of what teachers have to do a lot of the time. Um, I mean, with the degree that I have in technology education, it, it wasn't, I would say, up to date for the times. Right. Where um, I was qualified to teach automotive class and wood shop and all these things. And I had taken plenty of classes in my undergrad, like manufacturing classes. So if you throw me in a wood shop, I'll figure it out and I'll make it happen, right? Um, if you throw me in a metal shop, I'll figure it out and make it happen, right? Um, automotive, that might've been a stretch, but I would figure <laughs> it out, you know? So um, I think that the biggest challenge that I had, at especially my first year, was um, learning that it's okay to learn with the kids. Uh, one of the questions that I get, so right now I'm, I'm a um, graduate teaching consultant for the university, so I help train TAs on campus. And one of the things that I, one of the questions I get from TAs is like, what do I do if I don't know the answer to their question? Or what if I get put in a class that I have never taken before? And um, it just kind of makes me chuckle inside because it's like, yeah, I've been there. I had to do that. Like, And you have to get over this fear and start recognizing that it's okay to learn with students. Um, now, I will say, you should primarily be great if you were a content expert, right? Like if you, you should know your content when you walk in. And so it requires some, um, you know, looking into things and, and getting up to date, getting some training if you aren't trained in that. So prior to jumping in, I did a lot of reading, a lot of uh, videos online, that kind of thing. Um, uh, but good teaching can happen regardless of what space you're in. So content is only one piece of being a good teacher. Um, it's the skills that we have, the, the um, behaviors that we have that can make us really good and effective teachers. So uh, taking, taking that regardless of what content area you go into. 
let's talk about STEM because I think mm -hmm. this piece on being a content expert yeah. is a little challenging whenever, and a lot of our listeners are K-5, K-8 STEM teachers, which first of all is very ambiguous of a term. So yes. we have the acronym and then how teachers define it or the school defines it or the district changes. Um, but primarily the expectation is they're bringing all these content areas together through a project and what are your thoughts about that and the STEM movement and these expectations on teachers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's one that I think we're going to have to <laughs> tackle even more now. Uh, a lot of, a lot more expectations are being put on teachers. Um, one, I will say that one teacher cannot do it all. Uh, cannot do it all well. Okay. So from my own experience, I've had to teach a lot of different things. And some of that content may not have been the best that it could have been. Right. right. Um, so one teacher cannot do it all well. Um, when we talk about teaching STEM, like science, technology, engineering, and math, right. Or steam or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, in one project, if you are one teacher doing one project, if you're trying to, if the goal is to try to get students to understand like a breadth of information, a breadth of knowledge, a breadth of content, doable. If you're trying to get them to deeply understand concepts and deeply understand material, I think that's where it becomes really challenging for one teacher to have to do that all in one project, right? Um, and so we've we've had some um, you know there's some research out there and projects that have been done. Uh, one happened at Colorado State University when I was an undergrad. I got to go observe it, and what they did was they uh, worked at a middle school and at a high school, and they had um, a science teacher, a math teacher, and an engineering teacher, or what they called their tech ed teacher, um, all working together on one project for students. So students had the same three classes, right? And they were all working on the same project. But when they went to science class, they got the like to focus in on the science concepts of that project and the science details of that project. When they went to math class, they focused in on the math concepts, right? And engineering on the engineering concepts. And so students are still getting the same big project, but it's not all the content knowledge and all of the, um, you know, like, background isn't having to come from one teacher. Um, so that's where I think we can fall short when we expect people to um, do all of STEM deeply in one go, right? Um, right. So. Yeah, we were putting together, uh, Claire and I were putting together like learning outcomes for STEM. And it's like, well, you have the next generation science standards or the state science mm -hmm. standards. You have the technology standards. You have common core math standards. Mm -hmm. And then engineering is kind of like thrown in there. It's a little bit like in the science. It's a little bit in technology, but it's just so overwhelming. And my advice is often just be very intentional about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a roller coaster design challenge, are you going to focus on the science content? Are you going right. to focus on those process skills of working together and it's just a fun building activity? Just be realistic and intentional. And I think 
that is, it just helps the teacher instead of like, I'm going to do everything, right? I'm going to yeah. have kinetic and potential energy. We're going to talk about graphing and measurement, right? And it just, it's just too much. And I think that doesn't, shouldn't fall on the teacher, right? This is coming from the top where they're saying you must mm -hmm. do STEM, but like, what do you mean? Like, what do you want me to do? Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there's a place for, like you were saying, like there's certain, certain things that we can get out of these awesome, amazing projects. This is so funny talking about this. Cause I, I mean, here I am an engineer and engineering educator. I'm like, I feel like I'm talking bad about it, but I'm not, I'm just trying right. to be realistic about the idea that it it's hard to do well. And so when we ask teachers to do it all <laughs> on top of all of the other things that they have to do, um, it, they're going to get burnt out and it's going to be challenging. And so I think I'm coming from a place of not a place of negativity in the sense of like, oh, it's a bad idea. It's more of, well, what supports are we providing teachers? There are great ways that we could do this, but it were, would require a lot of coordination and a lot of um, effort and time and resources, especially support from the administrative level. So, yeah. And I think also the there's a lot of silos in schools where you have the mm -hmm. science teacher and the math teacher and then the STEM teacher. And it yeah. would be nice if there was more communication. And so a follow up question is then, what about engineering? How do you see mm -hmm. engineering fitting in K-12? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, well, I know it's coming already. So <laughs> before talking about how I see it fitting, I'm just, it's, it's there and it's coming. Um, so it's in the next generation science standards and a, a lot of places that um, don't typically use NGSS, they are starting to adopt it into their own standards. Um, and so it's again, like what, what are we expecting teachers to know and to do? So if we're asking them to teach engineering content, uh, what grade level are we talking about? What are we having them do? Um, and what's the goal for that? Um, and so when I think about this, I think about, um, you know, at the younger grades, is the goal for incorporating engineering to get students to understand what the heck it is, like the fact that engineers um, help society everywhere, right? Everything that we've touched, everything that you see around you probably has been um, influenced somehow by some kind of engineer, right? Um, is that the goal or is the goal to like teach them thermodynamics? You know, um, it has to be grade level appropriate. If you get to a high school level, well, if, is, is it a student that um, is interested in going into engineering? Maybe they've already had this understanding of what engineering is um, and they decided that that might be a path for them. Well, then are we actually implementing concepts that um, can help students be successful for if and when they decide to go to college? Um, so I think it depends on who we're talking about. I think there's a lot of um, beauty in helping people understand what it means to do engineering, what engineers do, who they are, how they think. Um, because like I said, it's it's everywhere around us. Um, so if that's our goal is to try to get students to understand um, how engineering has touched everybody's lives, then absolutely, let's start incorporating that. Um, and I think one thing that's important is uh, 
helping teachers understand that they can lean on the community. Um, they can, they, they don't have to like become an engineer in order to teach concepts of engineering or ideas or the nature of engineering at a younger grade level. Um, I think that's the beauty of partnering with professionals, partnering with um, universities. Here's my little plug. Um, and, and bringing in the professionals who can talk about what it's like to do that thing. Um, and getting to hear from them is important. That's especially important for, um, you know, if, if one of my goals is to help um, increase representation across engineering. And so the best way we can do that is to get role models, uh, people who look and sound and have backgrounds like our students um, into the classrooms. And we're going to work on that together. So Rachel is going to take over Space Club Career Chats, which has been a monthly um, broadcast on the YouTube channel. And so, Rachel, I know you're excited to bring different guests on. So excited. And we'll have the students. So if any teachers out there are listening, if you have elementary and middle school students, they can submit questions on the Space Club website. And it's open to anybody. So we'll link that in the show notes. How can teachers, so we have this weekly or this monthly broadcast, but what are other ways that if there's like a local engineering company, how can teachers engage those professionals in their classroom? Oh my gosh. Okay. So one, um, I want to shout out a resource that was put together by the Voya Foundation um, in partnership with the National Network of State Teachers of the Year. Um, they put together these career, career STEM career grade bands. I don't remember what the official term is, but essentially if you're wanting to bring professionals into your schools and you're working with elementary students, if you're working with middle school students, we're going to high school students, they have like this four pager cheat sheet on how to do it, tips and tricks and resources. Um, and so that's a great place to start. Um, knowing that companies in the area want to talk with students. So if you have, say you have a specific, uh, topic in mind, you're doing something on like oceanography, um, do a Google search, you know, um, that's a way to find out and send cold call emails. Um, the other resources, there are great organizations that are um, trying to bridge the gap between the professional world and students. So shout out here to our women in science and engineering at Texas A&M. They started a program called the Zuma Wise Women Program, essentially does that. Um, where we have, you know, WISE has a whole list of volunteers, people who are eager to talk to kids, and teachers can sign up um, and request a speaker or request a panel or just somebody to come in and uh, talk either in person or virtually uh, through Zoom or any other platform. And so there are tons of resources. Skype a Scientist is another one. Um, so there's there's a ton of different, uh, I mean, space, space career chats. Like there right. there are places that students can um, and teachers can reach out to engage with their peers, uh, with the professionals. The one thing I will say, uh, the best piece of advice that I have, if you're going to do that, is make sure that you're clear on the goals that you're trying to get across. So rather than just saying, I want an engineer to come talk with them, like, what are you talking? Give them some information. What have you been talking about in class? What do your students think an engineer is right now? Um, you know, 
make sure that they know that they're a fourth grade class. And so the vocabulary should be set at a certain pace, you know, um, encourage them to use videos and pictures because sometimes unless they're being coached by somebody who is an a STEM educator, uh, the professionals may not know to do that. So for teachers, it's important to request like, hey, make sure, you know, you're talking vocabulary at a fourth grade level and include lots of graphics. They'd love to see pictures of you doing the thing. Um, that's always something, a way to engage students. I also like to bring in um, the mentors or volunteers into the classroom as we're doing a design challenge. Mm, and so yeah. they can walk around and get to know the students, interact with them, maybe help them on the project. And that helps build more of a personal relationship than you came up, you presented, you left. And yep. it can be intimidating for a lot of kids to ask a question in that very formal setting. Um, so if you can swing having a couple people come in and you could do a little panel and then break them up and put them into different groups of students, yep. I found that was really effective. And then bonus, if they can come back maybe a couple times throughout the year and that can build a relationship with kids because it takes time, you know, yep. to break the ice, get kids comfortable, start asking questions and then realize that, oh, that person cares about me and wants to know about my project. And that's really important for kids. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, final question for you, Rachel. So we have all these STEM teachers and I, I like to leave them with a takeaway. So what's one of your all-time favorite lessons? It can be related to engineering, STEM, whatever you want to tell us, but what's one of your favorite lessons to teach? Oh my gosh, this is such a hard question. Just pick one. It doesn't have to be all-time okay. favorite. That's too much Oh harder. my gosh. Yeah, that's tricky. Uh, all-time favorite is difficult. Uh, okay, so let me think of a good one. Okay, so I have one that um, is a common challenge that I've seen done like through the Technology Student Association, but um, I recently learned how to flip it on its head. Um, and rather than it just being a fun like challenge, it's a teaching the nature of engineering. And I'm going to shout out Dr. Jared Cruz because he did this whole article on um, asking good questions around this specific challenge. And so when I implemented this, it was a game changer. So I did it the first um, like week of class uh, and it's a coin, the coin sorting challenge. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but essentially like you have them build a device that when you dump in a bunch of change, it should sort the coins uh, according to their type, right? And that's a traditional challenge. I've seen it done lots of different places. Really great. Students have to think of, um, you know, a vertical method or a horizontal method or whatever. It may be a size, something like that, um, to essentially sort these coins. But what I love about what he did um, and, and what we've done in that class is uh, pausing in between to ask specific questions about how it, how it may be related to engineering. So then rather than just like, you won or you didn't, it's an actual lesson to teach students a little bit more about what it means to do engineering and be an engineer. Mm. So for example, um, focusing on the idea that engineers use creativity, right? So we have to be creative. How this coin sorting thing, you know, we're limited by the constraints that we have, you know, teaching vocab terms around constraints. Um, but if you're, you have these constraints, look at how your design is different from your design is different from that group's design, right? Being explicit about that. 
Um, it also, you know, focuses on things like iterations um, and focuses on things like, um, you know, collaboration and um, all the things that like when you think of an engineering design process, you're like, duh, yeah, we use that in a lot of different ones. But the key thing that I think is really important and could be used in any activity, but specifically this coin sorting one, um, is the idea of asking questions to get students to see what it is to do engineering and uh, to be an engineer. So I really liked that one. That's really good. And I, I feel like I've done this in my own classroom where we'll do a design challenge. And at the end, we'll maybe throw in like, let's reflect on what happened and then we're done, right? Yeah. And yeah. we kind of assume by them building and designing their understanding the engineering process and how engineering works. But of course they just had fun and they built something yep. and it was cool. And then they walked away with really not understanding too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that reminds me actually that my favorite part of that lesson is, um, you know, if you get to the very end and you're like, okay, which one sorted it the fastest, right? Like typical like design challenge, champions are the fastest, right? And the thing that you ask them is, well, even though it's the fastest, why might it not be the best? And then have them start talking about, oh, well, you know, it used a lot of cardboard, whereas this other one was really resourceful and only used so much, right? Or maybe it sorted it the fastest, but it didn't sort it the best. Like it, it messed it up and it, it didn't actually sort it. It could have just gone through, right? And so you start talking about what does it mean to, to be best? Who does best you know, the idea of best, how might it change if it's a customer versus a um, the engineer versus the person who has to manufacture it, right? Um, and so that idea of what does it mean to be best, that's also helping eliminate that competition um, and more talk about specifics of what it actually looks like to do engineering. I love that. Okay, well, thank you for sharing one of your lessons. I know you have many more, so I'll have to bring you back <laughs> on space, but thank you for joining me today. Any last words for all the teachers out there listening? Oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. You all are <clears throat> absolutely wonderful. Um, I, I think that we need more teachers who are interested in learning more. And by the fact that you're listening to podcasts like this, it means that you care about your students, you care about your growth and um, you have people here that are uh, wanting to work with you and help you and, and um, also soak up your knowledge. You have a lot of skills and knowledge as an educator that other people do not have. And so we need, we need your brilliance out in the world. I completely agree. Well, thank you again, Rachel. And for now, STEM Space out. Hey, listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have a quick tip on teaching STEM? Maybe how you store projects, where you get materials, or what not to do. Let us know and we can feature you and your tip on a future podcast episode. Head to vivifystem.com backslash quick tips and let us know your tips for teaching STEM.